It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good evening and welcome to On the Fable. I'm Dorothy and I'm here with a wonderful group of Christian women to discuss the issues of the day. Much like we did in the old days around the kitchen table when the kids were in school. The call-in number is 646-595-4784 if you want to call in with a question or a prayer request. Press 1 to raise your hand in the queue. Our contact email is onthetablebc at hotmail.com. Now, we may not all agree all of the time, but isn't that half fun? Different perspectives coming from different experiences and learning from each other? Pull up a chair and join us on this most excellent adventure in the reality of Christianity. Let's just see what's on the table tonight. Good evening, everyone. I'm so glad you joined us. Tonight we've got Sally, and I think that area code 909 is Pastor Bill. Yes, it is. All right. We're ready to go. So um, (laughs) I don't know if anyone else is, uh, any of the other girls are coming. If they do, I'll just, you know, open up their mic. But um, if you could start. Pastor Bill, by by just telling us a little bit about yourself, and then we can go on from there. Absolutely. Well, uh, I pastor a church in Ontario, California, called Destinyland Christian Center. You heard of Disneyland. Well, this is Destinyland. And then we have a satellite church in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, that we stream our services to every Sunday. I'm a father, I'm a husband, been married almost 21 years, and have three boys. They are 18, 16, and 14, so that's always a great challenge. And I'm the kind of person, I'm a believer that if you're going to be a pastor in a pulpit, you have to first take care of the people in your home first. In other words, if I can't be a good husband, if I can't be a good father, then I don't deserve to have followers in my life, because I think the days... Uh, are upon us when we need to walk in integrity, be uh, authentic people, 
and uh, not be one way in the church and another way out in the world. And so uh, that's an important thing to me. And also it's important that I write, I'm also an author, so I write books. I've written about 10 books. Uh, if you go to Amazon or ebook Kindle, you can go to my website, pastorbilljenkins.org. You can get my books. I've written things on spiritual assassins that talks about the 27 different evil spirits that are mentioned in the Bible. I wrote a book on the reset, how to reset your life, whether it be in your emotions, in your physical body, with your marriage, with your finances. So I talk about six different things uh, in the reset book that can uh, sort of help you to start again, start fresh and start anew in your life. No matter where you're at or what age you are, it's okay to have a reset if you need it. And I also wrote a deliverance devotional, which gives you 365 different daily devotions, along with what I call a deed of the day. So not just something you, you know, read, but something you act out in order to cooperate with the things that you're reading. And then I also write on a yearly basis what I call the prophetic almanacs. And I take the different numbers of the Bible and I study them out. I look at them and I release a vision for the year based upon the consistency of when those numbers are mentioned in the Bible and what they mean. So uh, we also have a radio station, 24-hour day Christian internet radio station, where me and my wife do a program every morning, 10 o'clock on the West Coast, 1 o'clock on the East Coast. We have great music, WIMD Radio, Walking In My Destiny Radio. So if people want to listen, they can go to WIMDRadio.com. That's just a few things that are going on. But uh, that's what I'm about, and I'm thankful to be with you here tonight. Goodness, you are quite busy. I don't know how you find the time having teenagers because they're quite, <laughs> you know, time time intensive. Is that the proper term? Well, um, they definitely take their time consuming. How's that? <laughs> that sounds right. Okay. And Sally, I'm so glad you're here. Say hello, please. Hi, Pastor Jenkins. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Good to hear your voice. And yours as well. And hi, everyone else. <laughs> All right, Pastor. Now, I'm not familiar. I mean, I'm familiar with biblical numbers, numbers in, in the Bible. I'm familiar with some people who say the Psalms are numbered according to each year. But I'm not familiar with the premise of uh, taking a number. It's for the year, right? 19, because it's 2019? Yes. And going down that route for prophecy. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. I, I love this question because, uh, you know, it's such a interesting way to study the Bible. I've been a Christian for 30 years. I've been in the ministry for 28 of those 30 years, and I uh, know what it means to study the Bible inductively and deductively and character study and word study and verse study and all those studies. But after a while, in order to keep my relationship fresh with the Lord, I started to begin to study numbers in the Bible. Actually, uh, one of the recent books that I wrote is called Decoding Deity. And I take the numbers, the colors, the names, the symbols, the places, and the people of the Bible, and I tell you what they mean when they're mentioned in the Bible. So when I look at a number, I don't define that number. That number defines itself based upon the consistency of when it's written and what it's talking about when it's mentioned in the Word. I do that to give people 
a greater understanding of the true intent of God. So what I do is, for instance, let's just take the number 19. I take the number 19 because of 2019, and I look at it. There's only seven references to the number 19 in the Bible. And in my book, The Prophetic Almanac, I lay all seven references out for you. Now, if you've heard of the Farmer's Almanac, this is the spiritual equivalent to the Farmer's Almanac. It's 130 pages full of inspiration, information, divine revelation. So I lay out those references to the number 19 in the Bible, and I look at what they mean when they're mentioned. And then I look at different lists in the Bible, like when different things are mentioned, uh, uh, you know, uh, that have 19 things in them. And then I begin to really see uh, God begin to reveal to me the different things that 19 means when it's mentioned in the Bible. So like for this year, if you look at the word 19, actually, if you look at it in the Hebrew, you'll see the meaning. And when you understand the meaning of that Hebrew word, it means hand of worldly wisdom. So obviously, we don't want to walk in the world's wisdom. We want to walk in God's wisdom. So this is a year where we need to seek the wisdom of God. And so that's one of the three things that we're declaring for this year is wisdom, faith, and a new era. When it comes to a new era, remember this, there were 19 kings. And remember, it was not God's will for the people to be ruled by kings, but God finally relinquished his will to the will of the people. That's what the people wanted, so God gave it to them. There were two kingdoms, one in the north, one in the south. Israel had 19 kings before God said, no, we're not going to do it that way anymore. This isn't working. We've tried this for hundreds of years. Rule by kingship is not going to work, and so we're going to change it. So there was a new era that came into being after 19 kings. Plus, when you look at the number 19, it's made up of the one and the nine. The one is the first single-digit number. Nine is the last single-digit number. So 19 suggests it is the uh, end of an old season and the beginning of a new season and a new era of years where the Lord wants us to begin, uh, you know, to understand that we need to uh, walk into our new day. And then you have faith, uh, because that's the third thing 19 is, revolves around when it's mentioned in the Bible. And if, if you read in Hebrews 11, there are 19 people that are mentioned as heroes of faith. So when you read that Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews 11, count the people. There's 19 of them. And then when you read in Romans 3:21 through Romans 5:2. Paul preached a famous message, one of his best messages of all time. So in those scriptures from Romans 3.21 to Romans 5.2, Paul mentions the word faith 19 times. And then when you look at the 19th time Paul is mentioned in the Bible, just count the 19th time Paul is mentioned, it's going to be in Acts 15.36, where Paul wanted to return to the city that he had previously visited to check on the condition of their faith. So 19 revolves around those three things. As a matter of fact, the 19th time Noah's mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis 7:13, where Noah enters the ark as an act of faith. So time and time again, you see that when 19 is mentioned, it, it, it is revolving around faith, it is revolving around wisdom, and it's revolving around a new era. So we build a vision for 2019 based upon what's upon its meaning from God's word. Listen, there's 31,102 verses in the Bible, and every one of them are important. And so studying the numbers is just another way to understand God, to know his nature, and to sort of decode some of those secret things that God wants to reveal to his people here in 2019. 
Well, I have to admit that I have been seeing in the spirit a lot of the things you're talking about. So that's like confirmation for me. Um, and there, a father is getting ready to do a new thing, and I've seen that. Um, and there's so much going on right now in the world that he's he's lifting the skirt of the hooligans. So, and that is a new era because before the skirts were down and we couldn't see the stuff. So that is definitely new. And I also think that on the whole, we're starting to get a deeper understanding of the word. So that would also signify a new era. Uh, Sally, have you got a question? Um, well, I had to, I have a comment and I do have a question. Um, the as far as I've read, the book is just um, a blessing and amazing. It's almost to me like you were saying, not only an almanac, but almost like a playbook. Like God has given um, revelation as to how to navigate various things that are going on. And um, I mentioned to Dorothy that to me it, it's uh, not only applicable for 2019, but um, for other years to come because um, of the insight that it gives. But not only that, but the reiteration of just going back to the basics in God's word. Um, when when God first put it in your heart to begin searching out um, the various numbers or as you began receiving revelation for 2019 more specifically, um, was there anything that jumped out at you that, that really just uh, struck your spirit and it keeps coming back to you? Well, I tell you, the, the, those three things I'm seeing everywhere. So whether it be us needing to increase our faith, for instance, you don't need a whole lot of faith to start out with. You just need the faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed. That's it. Uh, so, you know, it's the, the mustard seed is the smallest seed that's ever been produced or made. So we don't need a lot, but we can't stay with just a little. We got to gain more. So the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there's only so many ways to get faith. And then there's only so many ways to increase your faith. And so you got to get into the word. you got to speak the word out of your mouth. I tell people that true prophecy isn't just guessing. It, it, true prophecy has nothing to do with guessing. We're not fortune tellers. We're not reading palms. We have the word of God that we speak forth out of our mouth. So true prophecy, pure prophecy, is just reading God's word and speaking out of your mouth and then calling the things that God said we could have in our life until it comes. So as we do that and as we see that work, man, you talk about our faith increasing. If we begin to see a principle in God's word that works for us, that's going to increase our faith. That's going to increase our enthusiasm. That's going to increase our excitement. We're going to want more of God. So this is a year when we've got to, uh, you know, close that gap, minimize that distance, seek and search God like we've never had before. And we got to get wisdom. Wisdom is, is, is not just something you get. Wisdom is something you give. Uh, think about it. You get knowledge. You get understanding. But you uh, give wisdom. So we get a knowledge of God's word, and the knowledge comes into our head. The understanding comes 
when we understand the why of what we know. So that's a key thing. I think that's a big thing for everybody to understand. Understanding something means you know the why of something. So it's not just knowing something and doing it because you think it's the right thing to do. It's understanding the why. But then when you understand the why and put it into practice in your life, you begin to apply the truths of God and you see that they begin to work for you and they get you from where you're at to where God wants you to be. Then you can help others to get from where they're at to where they want to be. So the things that stand out to me, because in the book, I give you so many things. It's 130 pages. I talk about the different regions of America. I give the five uh, different regions of America. I break down the states for you. I give you a word for every region. Um, I give you what it means to be born on the 19th day of the month. So if somebody was born on any, in any month on the 19th day, God has a specific word for you. I tell you every book of the Bible that has a chapter 19. For instance, there's 66 books in the Bible. Only 24 of them have a chapter 19. So I go to the chapter 19s and I release a word to you based upon what's in those chapter 19s. And I help you to understand, like you said, and I appreciate what you said, it's like a map. It's a GPS. It's going to guide you. Uh, it's not meant to take the place of the Bible by any means, but it's helped to be, it's there to be a help to you to guide you through this year, to tell you what you can expect of God and what God expects of you this year. And those things are, you got to increase your faith. You got to increase your wisdom and you got to walk into this new era by having a pure heart and letting God put things into your heart, into your life that he wants. Because you got to let go of that old season. You can't ever let your past dictate your future. You can't hold on to your past and fully walk into your future. So you got to be willing to let some things go in your life, even though they may be, you know, they may have become pets. They may have become something you uh, are comfortable with. This is a year you got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to let go of those things from yesterday and you got to reach into to your into your tomorrow because if God closes a door or if something isn't uh, working in your past and you're carrying it over, it's only going to be a hindrance and hold you back from walking in and fulfilling your destiny. So those are really the three things that stick out to me. There's tons of stuff in the book, but the meat and potatoes of this book is what 19 means so that you can understand God's expectation for you and uh, what you can expect of God. I'm going to tell you what you can expect of God in 2019 as you get the Prophetic Almanac for 2019. Yes, it's, it's been just powerful. I, um, many of the things that you've covered, um, like you were saying, it, there's so much that you cover. Um, and uh, a lot of it, I know that it's revelatory because it's, it's the same word. God amazes me that he speaks the same word through so many different people. And that's how I know that it's God. But also it, it's... Um, I love that you stay within scripture and you don't expound much outside of it. Um, As I was reading and um, you talk about several people um, in the Bible, you talked about Lot's wife and how um, Exodus chapter 19 and Leviticus chapter 19 and various um, aspects um, of scripture. And you, you give, principles to apply. That's what I love at the at the end um, that you summarize it. Can you share some of those principles that you shared? Absolutely. You know, one of the things I always tell people is that 
in your Christian walk, it's not enough to know, it's not enough just to know Christ as the person. You've got to apply the principles of Christ in order to be successful. What people don't know is many of the principles that even the world uses, it actually came from the Word. So they can't take credit for it. God gave these principles. So principles and applying the principles and knowing the person of Christ is important to your success. And I mentioned a moment ago that I break down every book of the Bible that has a chapter 19 in it. Before I give you the, the summary, when you mentioned Lot's wife, think about that and connect that to a new era. Because you remember the story of Abram and Lot. You remember how, you know, Lot wanted to, you know, go out on his own. So Abraham allowed him to pick first what direction he wanted to go. Now, that takes a lot of faith, right? Uh, you know, if you're not getting along with somebody and they want to get away from you, Abraham, uh, he could have said, hey, this is what I'm going to do and you're going to live with it. But he said, you pick the direction. And that's what we need to do is have faith in God that no matter if we feel we're stuck at the very bottom, if we make the last choice, it's going to be the right choice because our steps are directed of the Lord. And you remember Lot and his family went to Sodom and Gomorrah and God told Abraham, he said, I'm going to destroy it because all the sin, all the perversion, all the junk that's going on. And Abram said, well, what if, what if we found 50 people? Would you save it? Uh, and God said, sure, we'll save it. Well, what about 45? Sure, we'll save it. What about 40? What about 30? What about 20? What about 15? And every time God said yes. So Abram thought, hey, we're rolling the dice. Let's just keep going. So he said, what about 10? So Abram began to think in his mind. He thought, hey, there's, Lot's got to have 10 people in his family that are serving the Lord. So if no one in Sodom and Gomorrah is serving the Lord, at least Lot has 10 people in his family that are serving the Lord. So Abram stopped there in his bargaining with God. But come to find out, there were only four righteous people. Now, in Sodom and Gomorrah, the population at that time was around 10 to 20,000 people, and only four people were found righteous. Four people walked out of Sodom and Gomorrah when the destruction hit. The problem was one looked back, and that was Lot's wife. And you know that she turned into a pillar of salt. Why? Because she wanted to hold on to her past. She looked back in regret. She was unwilling to let go of what she loved and what she wanted and what she had. She was willing, unwilling to let go of her comfort zone. So in the New Testament, we have an explanation of why she was turned into a pillar of salt. And it's because whatever you want to hold on to in your past that God is wanting you to let go of uh, is, is, is not going to work. You can't enter this new era it, holding on to the things of your past. You've got to step out in faith. You've got to have a desire to launch into something new and say, God, listen, I, I'm not going to control things. I'm not going to be a, a backseat driver. I'm not going to be in the front seat trying to be your co-pilot. I want you to take control. I want you to take charge. So when you think about three people ended up leaving Sodom and Gomorrah, that was Lot and his two uh, single daughters, uh, that's kind of that, ridiculous. Out of all those thousands of people, only three left alive? Well, here's the thing. Lot's wife looked back. We got to quit looking back. And in Genesis 19, that's what I say. Don't look back. Don't look back on your past. Don't let your past dictate your future. Don't let your past control you anymore. If you got hurts, habits, and hangups from your past, 
This is a year to let it go, be free, let God heal you, and move into your future. We all have sad stories. We all have had bad things happen. We all could stay stuck in the molly grubs. We all could be in bondage. But sooner or later, we got to get up and we got to say, God, we're going to be healed. We're going to be delivered. We're going to let go of some of those things. And we're going to allow you to turn those bad things into good things. So Genesis 19 is about not looking back. Exodus 19 is about being fully devoted to God. Leviticus 19 is about following the commands of God. And in the book, I give you 19 commands that you're to follow. Numbers 19 is about staying alive and thriving. So I take you through all of these books, and I give you a summary of every book of the Bible that has a chapter 19 in it in order to help you to have a map to guide you through 2019. It's powerful. It's powerful. I just I hope that um, those that can will will make an effort to look at it and not just look at it as just looking at the number nineteen, but as God just making His word clear. And the Scripture says, "How will they know unless someone teaches them?" Or there's a preacher, and there are people who are who have um, a gifting and the anointing to teach. And I really um, feel that in just looking at um, much of what you shared and it was convicting and it's reiterating much of what God has said to me in my life this year. Um, Ironically, this is uh, my 19th year of marriage with my husband as well. And so just, um, it's almost as if God is saying, okay, here here you go. This is all the different things that you need to get out of your heart. And then these are the other areas in your life that you need to work at and build up um, and work into. I also like, um, as you stated, you had mentioned various parts of different regions. And as I was looking, I saw your list and – one of the areas that jumped out at me um, was the Grand Canyon. And I thought that is the most abstract place to pick to say, look at this area. But I knew just as soon as I saw it, divinely I knew that this is because it's such an abstract place that it had to be revelation from God for you to just say, okay, you know, Grand Canyon, you mentioned multiple places, but, Recently, there was something on the news in regards to the Grand Canyon and radiation after all these years, you know. And so I just, um, how how did you, as you were going through the process in, in regards to the, the regions and what have you, how did those areas just come to your mind and dropping your spirit? Or was it as if you were looking at a map and God began revealing those areas to you? Yeah, one of the things that I have done in the past in my previous prophetic almanacs is I give you a prophetic word for every state. But because Mm -hmm. this is a new era, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to do it in regions. I want you to break it down. So what I do is I put all 50 states in five different regions, and then I give each state a nickname. I give each state a scripture that God gave me. I give each state uh, a scripture. I tell you a landmark to watch in that region, a state to watch for in that region, a major city to watch for. I give you key months of the year. Then I give you a prophecy for that region. Then I give you a prayer for that region and a book of the Bible to study for that region that can help you to to know more about God and what he wants for your life if you're in that region. And so um, I simply 
just went to the Lord and the Lord told me, he said, I want you to do regions this year. And I said, okay, well, you know, if you want me to do regions, I have no idea. I couldn't break down the regions to save my life. So you're going to have to break it down for me. And you're going to have to tell me what you want to say. And then individually, the Lord began to say, hey, I want you to tell the people of a landmark in that region to watch for, to pray for, to listen, to hear on the news, um, a state specifically in that region. So I went through that process and allowed God to give me each individual region, um, its own dynamics for me to release into our United States of America. I want to see God have his way throughout America in all 50 states. I want revival to hit us all. I don't want it to hit one portion. I don't want it to hit one place. I don't want it to hit one city. I believe God can cause an end time revival to happen in America as a whole. So that's what I'm believing for. And as I begin to just ask the Lord, it was amazing to me how he began to just tell me things. And I begin to write it down. And one of the things that I do, see, when I write a book, I don't, I'm not in front of a computer. I have a piece of paper, a lined piece of paper, or just a plain white sheet of pa- piece of paper and a pen. And I write it down. And it's like God is speaking to me. And I will write that stuff down on paper. I'll hand it to my wife. My wife will hand it to my secretary and she'll type it up. And we just, that's how I do. When I get in this uh, book writing spirit, if you will, I, uh, I write my books fast, I write them quick, and uh, I write them longhand because it's the Lord speaking to me. I'm not coming up with this stuff. I'm not making this stuff. Some of this stuff that you know, seems abstract or seems you know, maybe like insignificant, the Lord is saying, no, no, watch this stuff. Look at this stuff. This is important. And as we're reminded uh, in this book of landmarks and cities and months and prophecies, to watch for for each individual region, I, I think it helps us to keep it at the forefront of our mind so that we can truly pray for our nation as a whole. If we've ever needed prayer, we need it now. All you got to do is turn on the nightly news and you'll see, man, we need prayer. This world is messed up and we need God. Uh, we're not going to save ourselves. And there, you know, there's only one way to get us saved, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm trying to direct people. I'm trying to glorify God. I'm trying to get the word across to them to remember different things uh, in our country and pray for our country on a daily basis for true revival to take place in our lives. I like that. Like you said, um, one of the things, that's in your heart to do and that God is moving you to do is to encourage people to pray and make them aware of what to pray for. And um, that is just such a blessing because uh, we can't pray effective prayers unless we know how to pray. And I mean, it's just so much revelation. I'm sitting here and I'm looking even at, at page 86, 87, and you talk about the Northeastern region. And, um, you know, hard winters, but then also you talk about, you know, the extreme cold, what have you, um, and it's been the most, you know, some of those areas have been hit the hardest, and we've had some very severe weather all throughout the United States this year, Um, and so many people are saying that that's prophetic as well, that it's been spoken for years, Um, but also you give clear instruction on how we can join together. Um, in unified prayer, and I think uh, I know that that's powerful. And just the specific areas are just 
a blessing because many a times people don't know how to pray. Um, they're praying according to their understanding or their emotions, but if we pray together um, in a unified way, um, we know that God will answer. Yeah, and you it's funny you mentioned the Northeast region on page 86 and 87. I said the region, the state to watch for is Massachusetts. Well, New England won the Super Bowl, and I wrote this book at the end of 2018. So it wasn't like I even knew who was going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you look at all this weather uh, stuff that I put in the book, and I talked about it being one of the worst, coldest winters. Even in California, where I'm at now, it snowed a week ago. Think about that. Where I'm at in Southern California, it's only snowed 21 other times in recorded history, and it snowed in Southern California. You may have seen it on the news, but this is what I'm talking about. God, he cares about every area of our life, whether it be our marriages, which is a big deal, or weather, which we may not think is a big deal. And so I think the Lord just allows those things to come to pass to sort of bring confirmation to the things that he gave me to put in this book. So they may seem simple or insignificant to some, but I think it's important because I I think it helps to establish a pattern where these things are truly coming to pass so that you'll believe the other parts of the book that, in my opinion, are more meaningful than some of the other stuff. Some of the stuff is just fun facts. Some of the stuff is just good, simple reading. Other stuff is like true prophetic word coming from God's mouth from heaven to us down here on this earth. And so that's my heart. That's my desire. I want to break things down. I want to make things simple for people. I'm not trying to, you know, impress you. I'm just trying to get the word of God across to you so that you can have every opportunity to succeed in 2019. If you succeed, I succeed. If I succeed, you succeed. And we need to be rooting for one another, man. We need to be helping one another get across the other side, get from our Egypt over into our Canaan land. So we need to work together. Working together is winning. And so if we can work together, we'll win together. And so that's my thought process in writing these books is to give you a simple format, easy to read, ways to, to know information, inspiration, and divine revelation from God that can set you up for success in your life. I have a question a little off topic. Sure. Um, I would like to know because I've been working on this for a couple of weeks now. Um, What is the best way to pray about this new abortion stuff that's going on and the, our so-called representatives who are making bad choices up there? What is the best way to pray? I know I've, I've been praying for repentance for some of these people. Um, but I've really been knocked off by this abortion stuff. Yeah, I tell you, the best way for us to pray is always pray for God's will, and God's will is found in God's word. Uh, Sunday in church, I talked about the Constitution of the kingdom. You know, you have the Constitution of the United States, you have different governments, like uh, ours is a democracy, you have socialism, you have uh, communism. There's different kinds of governments. Well, the kingdom rule is one of those sort of governments that we don't talk much about, but we need to learn about because one day we're going to be a part of kingdom rule. And so uh, we need to pray for these people 
uh, to be influenced by good and God, have encounters with the Lord. Uh, let the Lord show up in their rooms and give them a word, because sometimes that's the only thing that's going to change some of these people. And we need to believe God for whether it be Supreme Court justices or whether it be lower court judges to get in positions of authority that believe things according to the word of God so that those things can be instituted back into our society. Now, unfortunately, some of these things aren't going to change until, you know, something tragic happens. But we got to pray for God to take the ear, ear uh, muffs off of their ears, take the blinders off of their eyes, and hear the voice of the Lord. And the people of God can put pressure on those people by calling, by sending letters, by emailing, by doing what they need to do to put pressure on the people that are in Senate or in Congress in your area and persuade them to vote for the things that God votes for. One of the things when it comes to kingdom rule and kingdom law and the constitution of the kingdom is once a king decrees something, they can't change it. And in America, our problem is we always want to make amendments. If we don't like something, we'll amend it. We'll change it. Well, in the kingdom, you can't do that. Remember the story of uh, Daniel as he was thrown into the lion's den? People didn't like it that he was praying to his God. So they went to the king and they said, why don't you make a decree that for 30 days nobody can pray to any other God other than you? And the king said, hey, that sounds like a good idea. Well, the problem was Daniel was praying to the Lord and his enemies turned him into the king. And so even though the king and Daniel were friends, because the king made the decree, he had to keep that decree. And in America, we think things can be changed. They shouldn't be changed. We ought to go by the laws of God, not the laws of man. We ought to, go by, we ought to be seeking the uh, approval of God, not the applause of man. But we've got it messed up. So one of the ways we can do that, we can force the hand of our politicians, if there's enough of us, to persuade them to vote the way we want to, or we vote them out of office. And we can pray for those blinders to be taken off their eyes, for God to give them a divine encounter. And, uh, you know, too many people want to change things. You know, in America, what used to be right is now wrong. What was used to be wrong is now right. That's why we change, we're changing too many things. And with God, he says what? He says, I am the same. I don't change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God doesn't change. God is consistent. And that's what we need back in our society in order to establish or reestablish some of these laws that are in our land. Yeah, I haven't written my representatives yet because I don't know what to say. I'm trying to not say anything in anger, you know. Well, sometimes, sometimes what we do is we, it's not always anger, it's a righteous indignation. And you remember Jesus when he went into the temple and he overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves, Matthew 21, and he said to them, it is written, my house should be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the Bible says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. He healed them because there was purity that returned back into the temple. So when prayer got back into the temple, when impurities got out, when, you know, prostitution got out of the temple, because that's what they were doing is there was a buy-in and selling of animals for people to sacrifice, and the money was going to prosper, you know, the Pharisees and the priests. And that wasn't God's will. Jesus went in and he overthrew it. He was mad. He was angry. 
And you can be angry and sin not. That's what we call a righteous indignation. So I think in some cases we need a righteous indignation to shoot up within us. We need to be bothered by some of the things that are going on in our nation and quit accepting some of these things as normal and natural, uh, you know, things that evolve into being. That's ridiculous. That's baloney. So it's okay to have a righteous indignation when we say enough is enough. We got to stand up for what is right, even if that means if we don't bow down to the system and to society's system, that we may end up losing our lives. It doesn't matter. Stand up for what is right. Do what is right. Speak what is right. And sometimes it's going to bring that righteous indignation. It doesn't mean we go out there and do something crazy, but we can and we should let our voices be heard. I told somebody the other day, I said, silence, everybody says silence is golden. Let me tell you something. Silence is not golden when it comes to speaking up for God, speaking up for his word, and speaking up for the truth. We need to be the mouthpieces of God on this earth and declare the things of God to our nation, whether people like it, believe it, understand it, or want it or not, we as Christians are the mouthpiece of God. And we need to speak forth the word, not our ideas, not our theology, not our convictions, but speak forth the word. And that is going to be enough. That's what we need to get back to. Well said. Well said. As you were speaking, I, I, um, one of the points, or I had highlighted something that you were saying, and you were talking about uh, in your book, Judges 19, and um, the point that you bring, brought out was praying against lawlessness, but also you just mentioned speaking up against lawlessness. But then also you mentioned praying bold prayers. So um, I was just thinking about what Dorothy said, um, in regards to approaching, you know, your politician and what have you, how to do that through not only prayer but action, you know, so that God's heart would, your prayers would, um, in effect, that God would touch his heart so that when that letter is sent, you know, that um, that it would make a difference. Yeah, I think what we need to do is make sure, you know, we never threaten in our letters. We never accuse in our letters. We never make sure that we're pointing the fingers, but we simply, um, you know, speak forth, you know, our views based upon the word of God. If it's in the Bible, then we ought to be speaking up. Listen, this world is dark, and we're the only light as Christians. We're the only light in this world. And if you take any kind of light, it can be the smallest of lights. It can be the dimmest of lights. But if you put a light in a room of darkness, guess what? Light is going to penetrate darkness. It doesn't matter if it's dim. It doesn't matter if you got batteries and the batteries are going out. If you got a little bit of light, it, light will always penetrate darkness. So our job is to be a light. You may not be the brightest light in the room. You may not be the brightest light in America. But you know what? If you've got a little bit of light in you, use it to shine light in the middle of the darkness so that, you know, you can, uh, you know, help to pave a path for other people to follow. You know, if you get up and I, I, I unfortunately, I get up in the middle of the night, you know, and I, I have to go to the bathroom sometimes or I want to get water. Well, one thing I don't want to do is because I don't sleep very well anyway, is I don't want to turn lights on because once I turn a light on, what happens is I'm going to get 
woken up. I won't go back to sleep. It doesn't matter what time it is. I just won't go back to sleep if I get awake too much. But sometimes when I walk in the darkness, what happens? I'll run into a wall. <laughs> I'll stump my foot on a, on a table or a chair. I know it's there, but I still walk right into it. And so that's the same way in our Christian walk. If we shine the light on areas of our life, we're going to avoid running into walls and hitting our foot on a chair and stumbling over things. We're going to be able to have a clear path. So our job is to be a light to this world. And it doesn't matter how dark it is, a little light penetrates all darkness. And that's what we need to be in these, what I call, last of the last days. Yeah, our state is also considering, I'm sorry, Sally, I didn't mean to step on you. Go ahead, Dorothy. I was just going to say my state is one of those states considering a New York-style infanticide bill. So it's, it's disgusting. It is disgusting, and there's a lot of things uh, that go on in our nation, in our states. California, the state I live in, is, you know, a very liberal state. It's amazing to me what's allowed, what's tolerated, and what goes on in this state. And you know what? We have to believe that through the power of prayer and through using our voices to declare God's word, that if it doesn't happen now, sooner or later it will, and we keep calling things until they come. I have a small dog, and when I let her out without a leash, um, you know, I sometimes have to call her many times in order to get her back in the house because she has a mind of her own if I let her out without a leash. But because she's an inside dog and I don't want her to be neg- negatively affected by the outside elements, I call her until she comes. Why? Because I love her. I want her to be inside. I want her to be safe. Well, it's the same thing with God's word. Even when we don't see results, we keep calling things until they come. Why? Because we love God. We want to see our purpose fulfilled. We want to see our destiny established in life. So we call it until it comes. So even when it looks bad, know that God is working behind the scenes and we keep calling for things until it comes in our lives. Pastor Jenkins, could you speak more on that? Um, I mean, I know that that's something that's said over and over again um, to some. But some have never heard of that, um, speaking God's word until it comes forth in their life or even coming to that place of faith. Is that redundant? Is it being, is it being um, repetitive? or? Well, how here's does the thing. That it, yeah, it may be repetitive, but it's not a lack of faith to keep calling things until it comes. So, you know, we got to knock and keep on knocking. We got to seek and keep on seeking. We got to ask and keep on asking until we have a peace uh, in our hearts that, you know, what God said he's going to do, he's going to do. Now, once God gives you his word on it, that it's going to happen, that's when we, you know, can, you know, relax and rest in what God said. But there's nothing wrong with calling things until they come. The Bible said we ought to call for things that are not as though they were. So, I don't allow what I see to affect what I say. Think about that. Usually when we see something we don't like, we get negative, right? But when we see something we like, we get positive. So we got to learn how to walk in the spirit. We got to learn how to walk in faith 
by understanding, regardless of what we see, whether it's big or bad, I, I just preached a message on grasshopper faith and how the majority isn't always right. Uh, Moses sent out 12 spies. Ten of them came back, said the giants are too big to hit. Two of them said the giants are too big to miss. Let's go take this land. So that's what we need to have is giant killing faith, not grasshopper faith. And we get that by not, uh, you know, agreeing with what we see. You may see something in your life that looks bad. It may look horrible. It may be getting worse by the second. But you don't allow what you see to affect what you say. Every one of them saw the same thing. Think about it. When the 12 spies were sent out, they all saw the same thing, right? They all saw there were big giants. They all saw that the land was fruitful. They saw the same thing, but they reacted differently. Why? Because their perspective was different. They magnified two different things. And here's the thing about magnifying something. Think about when you magnify something. If I have an object and I put it under a magnifying glass, does the object get bigger? No. It's only the perception of that object that gets bigger. Think about that. That ought to make you say, wow, because here's the thing. The object never gets bigger when you magnify it, just your perception of it. Well, we don't have a problem. We just have a problem with perception. If your perception changes, if your perspective is different, maybe you can focus in on the problem solver instead of the problem itself. So the key is making sure you never allow what you see to affect what you say. So what I see may be bad, but I still say things out of my mouth that is in agreement with the word of God. I don't sit there and say, wow, those giants are big. We're never going to uh, overcome them. We're grasshoppers in their sight. We're not going to make it. We're going to die. I don't start talking about leaders and I don't start talking about bad about God. No, I believe that if God said it, that we can accomplish it no matter how big it is. So that's what we mean when we say call things that are not as though they were. I don't allow what I see to affect what I say. What I see has no bearing on what I say. I'm going to say out of my mouth the things of God, regardless if things look good or bad, and I'm going to believe God that his word, his will, is going to come to pass in my life, regardless of how many things are surrounding me. I'm going to look beyond that mountain, and I'm going to see the mountain remover who can take those things, reduce them, cause me to enter into my promised land, and walk in victory in my life. That's what we ought to be doing. So all of us, we can look at something, you can look at something, I can look at something, you can have your perspective, I can have my perspective. But the right thing to do is to have God's perspective. And God's perspective is, with man, it may be impossible. But with God, all things are possible to them who believe. And that's what we say out of our mouth. If God said we can, then we can. That is the rule that we ought to be living by in our lives as Christians. You had um, spoken about having a kingdom mindset or having uh, being ruled by the kingdom or living according to the kingdom. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, the constitution of the kingdom is letting your life be ruled by the king. And so that's really what we need to do. Remember, the king is a king by birthright. You cannot remove him. You, you can't remove Jesus just because you don't like him, just because you don't serve the Lord doesn't mean you can move, remove him. You didn't vote him into office. You can't vote him out of office. So it, was, it is his birthright. It is his family. It is his, uh, you know, passed down to him. 
So we need to remember that the king ought to be ruling in our life. And when you allow the kingdom of God, remember what the Bible says in, in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It is the, it is the principles of the word of God. It is, the, it is allowing what is in heaven to be established down here on earth. When we talk about kingdom rule, it's about bringing heaven down to this earth. So whatever is in heaven ought to be down here on earth. If there is no sickness in heaven, then there ought to be no sickness down here on earth. Now, listen, I'm not saying this can happen overnight, but I'm saying that we can institute kingdom principles and the constitution of the kingdom on earth one person at a time. So as we begin to establish kingdom rule in our lives, and then as other people begin to establish kingdom rule in their lives, we begin to have dominion on earth. The key to dominion is reproduction. So the more of us, uh, you know what, the more opportunity we have for dominion. So having the kingdom rule is all about having God rule, God in charge. It's about having Jesus be the Lord of our life. It, it, it's about understanding that Jesus is not just your Savior. He's your Lord. And if he isn't Lord of all, he isn't Lord at all. And, you know, too many people, they say, well, you know, they don't want to give or they don't want to go to church or they don't want to pray or they don't want to read the word. Well, listen, if that's what God wants you to do, which the word tells us it is, and you don't do it, then the king is not ruling your life. So you've got to be willing to subject yourself to the spirit. You've got to resist the devil. You've got to submit to God. Those are the ways that you establish kingdom rule in your life. I do what God wants. I don't do what my flesh wants. I do what God wants. I don't want the what the I don't do what the enemy wants. And so kingdom rule is about establishing the things that God wants. We establish in our life through obedience to him here on this earth and we enjoy the rewards and the blessings in advance of us going to heaven down here on this earth. So whatever you the Bible says whatever you bind on earth or whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. We got to learn how to bind and loose. We got to learn how to do some spiritual warfare to break the power of the enemy over our life and walk in victory uh, so that we're not bound by the things of this world. God can cause us to prosper. Even, uh, you know, Israel, when they were in bondage to Babylon, do you, here's the thing people don't understand. They prospered more in bondage, they prospered more in captivity than they did any other time. So if you do the right thing, you can't curse what God has blessed. And kingdom rule is about saying the king is ruling my life. I'm allowing Jesus to be the ruler. I'm allowing him to be the one that guides my life. I'm allowing the word to dictate my decisions. I'm going to allow God to lead the way, and I'm going to surrender. When you go to a restaurant, you can order what you want. But when you go to God, let God order your steps, and that's how you're going to know that you're under kingdom rule, and that the blessing of God will be yours. So kingdom rule is something that, uh, you know, most people are not familiar with, but it's simply allowing uh, the principles of God to be established in our life on earth so we can have a taste of heaven down here on this earth. You would also mean, Dorothy, were you going to say something? Um, I was thinking about many professing Christians don't believe it's possible to have 
God's kingdom or his will come through on this earth while we're here, which is very sad. Because why bother, you know, (laughs) if it wasn't that way? Um, That's what I was thinking. I, I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know how to shake people out of that mindset. Well, and I you know? don't know if we can. I don't, I don't know if we can. I don't even know if that's our job. I think our job is to draw a circle around ourselves and let it begin with us. I tell people all the time in churches, when I go, when I speak to churches or talk to pastors, I tell them, you're never going to have revival with the group of people you have in your church now. Now, I am at, there's not been one pastor who likes that. <laughs> because you know how you're going to have revival? By getting new people in. You're not going to have revival by the old group. The old group's got too many laws, too many rules, too many hang-ups. you got to get new people in to get saved because most Christians do not have sinner friends. So you need to get some sinners in your church. Make friends with sinners. Get them in your church. Get them saved because they're the ones who are going to have other sinner friends. And you cannot change somebody who doesn't want to be changed. One of the most frustrating things for a Christian leader, and I don't care if they're in the pulpit or not, any Christian leader, uh, is when they're trying to help somebody more than somebody wants to help themselves. And you have to learn you can't help people who don't want to help themselves. If they don't want to help themselves, you've got to wait until they're ready, but invest your time into people who want to help themselves. That's where you're going to make progress. So for us to force it or ram it down their throat, it isn't going to happen. So I would love to, I, it's, it's surprising to me that there's anybody who wouldn't want the kingdom of God to be established down here on earth, especially you know, because God said he wants that for us on this earth. But we can't force those people to accept the truths of God. All we can do is try to establish the truths of God on this earth and try to make a difference in as many people's lives as we possibly can so that we can be part of that majority, part of that reproduction, so we can be part of that people that have dominion. Remember, God's will for the kingdom. God's will for the child of God dates back to the Garden of Eden. The first thing he told Adam was what? It's my will for you to have dominion over all the birds of the air, over all the cattle in the fields, over everything on this earth, over every creeping thing. It's to have dominion. Well, where did we lose that? Where have we fallen off the tracks? Where have we derailed? We did that a long time ago, but I can't focus in on the past and all the people who did wrong. I got to make sure... I stay on the tracks, I head in the right direction, and I look to get the word across to as many people who are willing to receive it as possible. That's our job. And I I wish we could, you know, uh, force people, but we can't. And that's frustrating when you want more for others than sometimes they want for themselves. It's almost like they just – go ahead, Sally. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to – it's almost like – I don't even know how to explain what I'm thinking. Um, It's almost like some people want to stay sick, you know, spiritually speaking. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, you know, I tell people you don't have a physical problem. You don't have a financial problem. You don't have a marital problem. You don't have an emotional problem. You have a spiritual problem. Get the spirit right. Focus in on the Lord. Get the word involved in your situation. And you're going to be amazed how much it'll turn around and change. We focus in on the roots, or we focus in on the fruits when we ought to be focusing in on the roots of a problem. 
And that's where we, that's sort of where we've gone wrong is we're always focusing in on the fruit in a marriage with our finances, all the, let's get to the root of the problem and let's fix it there so that the tree, when it bears fruit, it can be good because if the root is good, the fruit is good. If the root is bad, the fruit is bad. So get the root fixed and everything else will be okay. So the bottom line is, you have spiritual problems. You don't have a physical problem. You don't have an emotional problem. You don't have a financial problem. You don't even have a marital problem. There may be people listening to me right now. They're thinking, I got a marriage issue. I got a money issue. I got an emotional issue. I got a physical issue. No, you got a spiritual issue. Get the spirit right. Start thinking like God. Start getting the word of God in you and speaking it out of your mouth. We are our own worst enemies. And the reason we're our own worst enemies is because we have people pray for us in faith and believe God for his best to take place. And before they're done praying their prayer, we're already cursing that prayer by the negativity that comes out of our mouths. So quit fighting against the good things of God. Cooperate with the things of God, and you're going to see more things made manifest in your life. So that's really, you know, I, I think that's the key. you got spiritual problems. Get the spirit right. Get close to God. Close that gap. Minimize that distance, and you'll be amazed at how everything else in your life will fall into place when you get your relationship with God where it needs to be. Yeah. You know, I um I was gonna ask you about your reset book. What is the name of that? It seems like you hit on that just just now. Yeah, the reset book is called uh All About the Reset. And what I do is I <laughs> take you uh on a journey through uh, the different things, like if you're stale in your life, if you burned out in your life, if you're not feeling like, you know, you're making progress in your life, then you need to reset. And I talk about six different areas that will really determine. So I talk about in your finances, like if you're in debt, you're not going to feel good about your life. If your marriage isn't right, if your relationships aren't good, you're not going to feel good about your life. If your health isn't good, you're not going to feel good about your life. Your emotions, if you're emotionally messed up, if your emotions are ruling you, you're not going to feel good about your life, your job or your calling. I look at six different areas, and I tell you what it means to reset your life. I tell you how to know when it's time to reset your life, and then I tell you how to reset your life in those six areas so that you can set yourself up for success in your daily life. People need a reset. People feel burned out. They feel worn out. They feel like they're doing things but making no progress. They're feeling like they're off course. And resetting your life is sort of like rebooting your computer. You know, you, you, you don't have to go to the extreme. Like, you don't have to go out there and buy a new computer just because your computer's messing up. Sometimes it just needs a little, it just needs a little rebooting. You just need to reset it. So, like, if you're having problems in your marriage, you just don't go out there and get a divorce. If, if you don't like your job, doesn't mean you don't, it doesn't mean you go quit today. Uh, you know, if, if you don't like your church, it doesn't mean you become a troublemaker to your pastor. Uh, if, if you don't like where you live, you don't move out of state. Those things, changing things don't change your heart. So I teach you in the Reset book how to reset some things, make things uh, new again, in your life, you know, if you break your arm and you go to the doctor, you go to the hospital, they got to reset things. So what I teach you to do is to reset your life, and it doesn't take a lot. It's, it's little tweaks. 
The Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. So sometimes it isn't the big things. It's the little things that get in the way. If you look at a marriage, you look at a relationship, it's the little things sometimes that can cause the biggest problems. And we're sometimes wanting to throw the baby out with the bathwater when just a little tweak, a little fix, a little change, something little, something small can make a world of difference. So I teach you how to reset your life in those six areas, how to relinquish your uh, will to God's will and not be, uh, you know, sort of burdened down by burnout or being stale in your life or getting stuck in a rut. This book, if you're in a ditch, this book will help you get out of that ditch. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be like a tow truck. This book is like a tow truck. I'm going to hook you up to the Holy Spirit. The Reset book is a great book. You can get all of my books, by the way, on Amazon. You can download it on ebook Kindle. You can get them on eBay. So you can go to eBay right now, and I have my books on eBay. Or the best place to go is PastorBillJenkins.org. Order my books. You can get them. My books are, are cheap. They're not expensive at all. We'll ship them to you. And they'll be a blessing to you. And all of my books are easy reads. They're fun reads. They're enjoyable reads. And I break it down. My goal is not to impress you. I am educated, but I'm not here to impress you. I'm here to get the word of God across to you so that you can apply principles to your life today to get you unstuck, to get you to where God wants you to be, to get you to a place of feeling satisfied and content and blessed in your life. So the Reset book, is really a great little book that will help you to do that and elevate and take you to another level in your life. Yeah, I've got your website in the show notes, so if anybody needs to go there, it's right there, you know, down in the show notes. Um, It's a big site. I looked at it and um, when I was was first, got the first email and said, "Wow, you know." Well, we so, give you a lot of definitely. things, including you can hook up with me on social media like uh, uh, Facebook or Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, and I will give you what I call a minute that matters every single day. So if you go and you're, you hook up with me and you be my friend on one of those social media websites, I release what I call Monday through Friday, a minute that matters. So there's 1,440 minutes every day. I'm asking for one minute. And not only will you get a verbal word, you're going to be able to see my pretty face. <laughs> so you're going to be able to look <laughs> at me, and I'm going to give you a video. One minute, and you're going to be amazed at how much I can get in in one minute that can help you throughout that day. So it's a minute that matters. Go to my social media. If you want to make it easy, go to PastorBillJenkins.org. You can hit one of those icons, and you can hook up with me, link up with me, be my friend, and you can start getting (laughs) the minute that matters every single day. Is is that like an email subscription? or? No, it's it's free. You just have to connect with me. (laughs) Excuse me. <clears throat> on social media. So um, I send it out every single day, a minute that matters. Go to LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, uh, there's so many other ones. I don't even know all of them. But if it's social media out there, the best thing to do is go to PastorBillJenkins.org. And then you'll see all those icons. 
And then whatever you are on, whatever social media you're on, just connect, hit that button. Then you can connect with me. And then every day I'll send you a one-minute video uh, to your LinkedIn, to your Facebook, to your Instagram, whatever it may be. And you're going to get that little video, one minute, that's it, 60 seconds, not a lot, but it's going to help you throughout your day. Before, um, before watching or um, getting on this call, in preparation, I went to YouTube and I looked at some of your videos on YouTube and, and um, you were guests at several, you know, on several shows and Recently, I saw that you were on the Omega Man show as well, and um, so it was just good to be able to go and to hear, um, you know, parts of some of those videos um, of you speaking on YouTube as well. Yeah, if it's out there in social media land, I have a team of people, and they uh, they do whatever they can to help get that word out. So uh, we're on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. Uh, it's, it, it, we try to get the word out to as many people as we can to make it easy um, because I feel like this is a word from God for this hour. I want to break down the hardest passages of Scripture for you to help you to understand things um, and not make the word so difficult. I believe these are days of revelation. God's revealing himself to the church, and I'm not the only one. There's plenty of people out here, but uh, I do believe that God has given me things that I can share to the, with the body of Christ that can help them to short, sort of shift the momentum, turn the tide in their favor, uh, because whenever God wants to give you something, whenever he wants to give you a healing, a miracle, a deliverance, a blessing, whenever he wants to do anything good, we got to remember God gives words. He doesn't give healings. He doesn't give miracles. He gives words. And what you do with that word determines the difference between success and failure, between blessing and cursing. So if you apply the word, you're going to be healed. You apply the word, you're going to be delivered. You apply the word, you're going to be blessed. So God gives words. That's what I want to do is give you nuggets, give you words, give you sermon sentences, give you books, give you things that you can use to apply to your life so that you can truly be blessed every single day. That's God's will. God's plan for you is not to be broke, busted, and disgusted. God's will is for you to prosper and be in good health. So that's what we want to do. That's what I'm trying to bring and get across. So if it's out there, usually we're on there trying to get the word out uh, as much as we can about the goodness and the good things of God. I know I have been, I was given a vision by father of his children, and it was like the, the Dickens story about the orphan who went and said, please, sir, may I have some more because they were so starving. So that's what I've been trying to do, too, is is with teachers, getting the word out and giving them good, solid teaching. But Father's people are definitely starving for good, you know, teaching out there. So that's a good thing that you're doing. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's one of the things. You know, whatever you feed will grow, whatever you starve will die. So you got to feed yourself on things that are good, godly, correct, biblical, scriptural, and that's what's going to help you to grow. If you starve yourself on the things of God, you're never going to become a giant. So you got to feed yourself. And the difference between physical hunger and spiritual hunger is that with physical hunger, you eat and hopefully you get filled, right? Hopefully you don't want to eat, um, you know, to at least the next meal. <laughs> but with spiritual hunger, 
the more you eat, the more you want. So if, when you're spiritually hungry, you want more. You want, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. You want more of the things of God. So that's what we ought to be about, uh, is pursuing God, feeding ourselves on the things of the Lord, and starving ourselves on the things of this world. Absolutely. Sally, Sally, are you going to say something? Yeah. Gonna... No, I'm just, I'm just, um, um, just to hear Pastor Jenkins. He's a man that's full of the Word of God, and and so many people are going to be blessed by him as God, you know, reveals. And uh, it's been said over and over again that, and I know you you're in the spotlight in in front of the various churches that you're in, but many people that are they were saying in the background are now going to be brought into the foreground or um, on major stages. And I just think that this is just the beginning of how, what God is going to, how God is going to reveal him. And it's, I'm not just saying this show, but other shows that he's been on and God is just exposing the people of God to, to teachers that can preach the word of the Lord. And so I really appreciate you just allowing um, God to use you, Pastor Jenkins. Well, thank you. I, I, that's my job. That's my goal. That's my calling. I want to get the word out uh, as much as I can to as many people as I can. It's really not about me. It's not about selling books. It's about getting the word across. And so I would love people to go get some books because I think that as they listen to me and as they read the books, I think that's going to be a good combination that's going to help them so they can find out anything they want. It's all, if you just go to PastorBillJenkins.org, there's tons of ways to connect with me, get all the materials that I have. I've written over 10 books, and uh, these books are going to help you to uh, really, I think, help fulfill your destiny on this earth. So I can't encourage you enough. Go to Amazon, download it on ebook Kindle, but go to PastorBillJenkins.org. You can go to eBay. I have people buy books on eBay. So uh, make sure you're getting these books because that's what I'm doing is trying to release revelation from heaven to the people of God down here on earth. I want to help people. That's my goal. That's my desire. And I do believe that's Father's heart as well, is to gather into his people and give them the knowledge that they need to survive all this stuff and to grow closer to him, you know, and really develop that relationship. So... You have anything else, Sally? No, I don't. No, I don't. I'm just in awe. And and I'm looking at the website as we talk and looking at what I'm <laughs> going to purchase. It's a big <laughs> website, isn't it? Yeah. It's it a lot of stuff on I'm there. Looking at, I'm looking at this ex, exclamation generation. It's just exactly what Pastor Jenkins um, spoke about, about um Declaring the word of the Lord, and I'm just, I'm thinking, okay, I need to purchase this. <laughs> I need to. Yeah, now the excla- exclamation generation is where I teach you how to be a uh, a God can person instead of a can God person. Now, what's yes. the difference? A God can person is with an exclamation point. A can God person 
is with a question mark. So it's based on the story in the Bible in Matthew where Jesus was on the boat with his disciples, and they woke him up. They could have had the power. They were with him. They went to the school of the Holy Spirit, but yet they had to wake him up, and Jesus was mad. He was teaching, preaching, feeding the hungry, healing the sick. He was tired and needed the rest, and they woke him up because they had a lack of faith. So in the exclamation point generation, what I do is I teach you how to be a God can person instead of can God do this? Can God do that? Never be a question mark person. Never put a question mark where God has put an exclamation point. That's one of the secret books of, uh, you know, of of Pastor Bill, because it's a great book. And uh, some of my newer books like the Prophetic Almanac and Decoding Deity and it's all about the reset, get a lot of attention. But that book, The Exclamation Point Generation, is such a fabulous book because I'm going to teach you how to be a person of faith, how to understand that everything is father-filtered. Everything you go through has to go through the father first. Wow, you're going to make me start preaching now because I get excited. So no matter what you're going through in your life, It's father-filtered. It's got to go through the father. God already knows. God is not nervous about your situation. It's going to happen. And sometimes, here's the thing about God, and I don't know if I like this or not, but, you know, God sometimes, uh, you know, he doesn't always fix things immediately because God is more uh, interested in developing character than he is in meeting our needs. Have you ever found that to be true? I mean, God, he wants to meet our needs. Absolutely. But in the process, he wants to build character. So here's what I learned about God, that when you get what he's trying to get across to you, when you learn what he's trying to teach, that's when you can get on the other side of your problem. But as long as you're repeating the process, circling that mountain and doing the same old thing by not getting it, you're going to keep on experiencing the same old stuff. So you've got to sort of get the lesson that God is trying to teach where you're at so you can be accelerated out of that mess. And get your message, get your blessing, get what God wants you to get so you can get out of that and walk in and fulfill the destiny that God has for your life. So the exclamation point generation is an awesome book. I've written them all, so I I think they're all great. (laughs) But uh, I tell you what, if somebody goes to eBay right now, because I can get get an alert on my phone. But if somebody goes to eBay and gets one of my books right now, I'm going to send you another book absolutely free. So you just buy one book on eBay right now. I get the alert. I'm going to send you another book for free. So you get two for the price of one, and I'm going to mail it out to you tomorrow. So if you go and do that on eBay, go to eBay, put Pastor Bill Jenkins in uh, there, put It's All About the Reset or the Prophetic Almanac for 2019 or the Coding Deity. If you buy a book on eBay right now, I will send you a free book. So you get two for the price of one. That's a pretty good deal. Yes, it is. <laughs> I know I like oh. a good BOGO. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if Sally's out of questions, my goodness. And <laughs> I'm pretty much out of questions, I think. Um, Sally is a deep thinker. I love her insights. Um, can you give us your final thought? on this, like sum it all up into a final thought for us. Well, let me do this. Let me go over the summary for you because that will help to summarize 
just about everything that I think God wants us to understand. Genesis 19 is about not looking back, but letting go. There's some things you got to let go in 2019. You got to let go of some stuff and you got to reach into your future. Quit letting your past dictate your future. Exodus 19 is about being fully devoted to God. Quit playing games, get all in, quit riding the fence and be fully devoted to God in 2019. When you read Exodus 19, that's what it's all about. In Leviticus 19, it's all about following the commands of God. There are 19 commands that are given in Leviticus 19. Follow them in 2019. And Numbers 19, it's about staying alive and thriving. You sometimes get these cards, and it says tie a knot and hang on. This is not a year to tie a knot and hang on. This is a year to stay alive and to thrive, to allow God to bless you in your new era. Deuteronomy 19 is about obeying the laws of man and obeying the laws of God. Joshua 19 is about boundaries setting boundaries, enforcing boundaries, putting fences up in your life so that you can define who you are in 2019. Judges 19 is about praying against lawlessness. There is a lawlessness spirit that has been released on our nation. Let's pray against that in 2019. 1 Samuel 19 is the story of David and Jonathan. You remember Saul, Jonathan's dad said, I want David killed, but Jonathan was so close to David He said, I can't do that. There's no way. I am his armor bearer. I am sent here to help him. So 1 Samuel 19 is about true loyalty. Everybody's not going to be your friend. Everybody isn't going to celebrate you. There's going to be some people who tolerate you. So remember, you're not everybody's godsend. You're not everybody's reward, but you will be somebody's reward. So even Jesus had 12 disciples, but he only had three close friends, only had one best friend. So Peter, James, and John were were his friends. But John was his best friend. So, you know, in life, you don't need a whole lot of friends. You just need a few people that, you know, can hold your arms up and be your friend and walk you through things. Second Samuel 19 is about walking in mercy and grace. It's about forgiving people and not holding, you know, their irresponsible, foolish, selfish, hurtful acts against them, but letting God deal with those people. First Kings 19 is about God ordering your steps. Second Kings 19 is about praying bold prayers. First Chronicles 19 is about avoiding pride and suspicion. There's somebody listening to me right now, and you're, you're, you're caught up. You're in bondage because you're always worrying about somebody doing you wrong. You are full of suspicion. God wants to release you from that bondage tonight. Second Chronicles 19 is about learning to discern biblically. Job 19 is about overcoming loneliness. If you're lonely, Nobody knew loneliness more than Job. He lost everything. But ultimately, as he remained faithful to God, God gave him a double portion. Psalm 19 is about seeing God in creation, seeing him in the sky, seeing him in the mountains, seeing him in the grass, seeing him in the rain, seeing him in the snow, seeing him in life on your everyday basis. Listen, we didn't come from an ape or a monkey. We didn't come from a fish in the water. We came from God. Genesis 1.26 tells us, let us make man in our own image. We came from God. Whatever you come from, you got to continue in in order to survive. So you cannot be disconnected from God and have life because you came from God, according to Genesis 1:26. Proverbs 19 is about being people of wisdom. Isaiah 19 is about not making unholy alliances or not being unequally yoked with people in your life. Jeremiah 19 is about never accommodating the enemy. We confront the enemy in 2019. We don't accommodate the enemy. We don't give him a room in our heart. We kick him out. We give him his pink slip. We 
uh, remove him from office. We tell him there's no room in our hearts for him. According to Jeremiah 19, Exodus 19 is about God releasing dreams and visions. And I'm believing God even tonight. Uh, somebody may be listening and you may be dealing with nightmares or you may not be sleeping or resting. Well, I pray God gives you a sweet sleep that's full of dreams and visions from God. We command all nightmares in the name of Jesus to be gone. And we pray for sweet sleep to be upon you tonight. Read Ezekiel 19. It's about God releasing dreams and visions. In the New Testament, uh, we have Matthew 19, where it's about total surrender to God. Luke 19 is about sharing the gospel of salvation the way Jesus did with the tax collector in, in the Bible. John 19 is about denying your flesh. Acts 19 is about prayer cloths being points of contact. So if you can't get to somebody, a prayer cloth can be a point of contact, like Acts 19, where Paul took an apron or a handkerchief and gave it to people to take to others to be a point of contact to uh, put on a place in their bodies for God to heal them, just as he laid hands on others, the prayer cloths were points of contact. And then Revelation 19 is all about the marriage supper of the Lamb, the coming of the Lord. So to summarize everything in the prophetic almanac for 2019, <clears throat> it's real simple. It's a year of faith, it's a year of wisdom, and it's a year that you begin a new era. So surrender Submit to God. Let God order your steps. Let God increase your faith. Let God cause so much knowledge and understanding to come into your heart that you apply to your life, that you can offer to others as wisdom to help them to get from where they're at to where God wants them to be. And then also, it's about a new era. This is a new day. It's a breath of fresh air. So receive it. God isn't holding you back. The enemy's holding you back. God isn't holding you back. Your flesh is holding you back. So let this year be the best year of your life. Let this year be the year that you've been waiting for. All of those things you're believing God to come to pass in your life, this is the year for it to begin to happen. So allow God, as you surrender and submit to him, to bring to pass those promises that he put in place in your, in your heart even years ago. Let this be a year. As you walk in faith, as you speak wisdom out of your mouth, as you enter this new era, that God brings those things to fruition in your life. So that's really the summary. Let God do it in 2019. And he's good at that. Yes, he is. So a, a lot of people don't understand all the striving and everything that they try and be good little Christians. If you let go and let Father work on you, it's much easier. Did I say that right? Yeah, powerful. All of it was good. <laughs> Amazing, powerful. Pastor Jenkins, you began praying and rebuking um, various things in the spirit, and I just want to know if you could pray. Um, I, I'm one of those that, that loved for mighty people of God to pray because many of times a person doesn't know how to pray um, what they should hold on, hold on. He's dropped. He's dropped. Wait a minute. Uh-huh. I don't know if he's going to call in. If we didn't get a chance to, I'm dialing him. Okay.
Hold on. Let's hit the dial button. Is it going to dial? There it goes. Is he going to pick up? Says it's starting. Grace, not now. <laughs> My cat wants attention. Grace, not now. It says it's dialing, but it doesn't look like it's dialing. Try it again. There it goes. didn't pick up. Ow. Hold on. I'll I'll try it again. I'll message him first. Um, yeah, that was a good teaching he gave. He's a powerful teacher. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, I began reading that um, almanac but I'm also getting ready to order another one of his books and <laughs> tonight. So I encourage anyone that's listening or that listens in the future um, that the word of the Lord never fails. Um, I was just reading a Max Lucado devotional, and he just quoted the scripture. He didn't go into expounding like he usually does, and he just, Oh, there he is. He called back in. Pastor Bill? I think he might be having some troubles. Go ahead. Continue with your thought. No, I was um, just that the word of the Lord remains and that it brings forth fruit. And so there is, you know, no excuse for us. Uh, God has given us a roadmap. He's giving us instruction. And, you know, what should we do? What should we pray for this year together? And I'm just going to apply it. just going to use it as yeah. a point of rest. You know, the, the spiritually, you know, that's, that's uh, the scripture says that there were people, a people in the scripture that knew the time, knew the season. And God's children, he enlightens us and makes us aware of secret ways. And so many times um, God has given clear instructions through either, you know, sermons or messages that we see or hear. And we don't apply them, but um, I thank God that this is a new era and that old things are passed away and behold, all things are new and he's making ways in the wilderness and, and all of that, you know. I just, it's so <laughs> Absolutely. That's why I reached out Pastor to Bill, you. Pastor Bill, are you on? I'm sorry, yes, I'm Shelley. back. I don't know what happened, but I am back. 
Okay, good. Sally was going to ask you to pray. Is that what you were saying before you dropped, Sally? Yes, absolutely. Let us, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for the people of God. I thank you for those who have tuned in. I thank you, Lord, uh, for those who are listening tonight. And God, I ask that you would help them to enter their new era by walking in a greater level of faith and a greater level of wisdom that you release into their lives as they pursue you. Lord, if somebody out there is sick in their body, I pray, God, that you would touch them. Meet them at their point of need. Take whatever the enemy meant for bad and turn it around and bring something good out of it for them. Lord, I just bless your people tonight. I thank you, Lord, for allowing this to be the best year and the best era of their life. What they've been waiting for, let it come to pass this year, 2019, as they put their full trust in you, Lord. I just thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this time. Bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Do you have anything else to say, Sally? I feel like you have something left to say. No, thank you. Thank you so much for speaking the word of the Lord, and we pray God's continued blessings on you, your family, your ministry, and your your ministry is just powerful, what God is doing through you. Well, thank you so much. I mean, uh, it's an honor to be able to to be with you and to have the opportunity to speak uh, the word of God. And so, uh, you know, uh, I love to have the opportunity, and you guys have uh, provided that opportunity tonight. So thank you so much for the opportunity to speak forth the word and to release the vision of God for this year. The things of God are not that difficult to understand, and I do believe God is given us new ways to understand his word. That's in part why I wrote uh, my book called The Coding Deity, where I give you, uh, I unlock all the mysteries of the different numbers. Uh, So every number in the Bible, every number that's mentioned in the Bible, every color that's mentioned, every symbol, every name, place, person in the Bible, I tell you what it means. That's my goal. That's my job. That's my heart is to help you to understand, to understand God's word so that you can uh, really get the uh, truest, um, you know, form of what God is trying to get across to you. And so, uh, you know, uh, I'm just thankful that, uh, you know, God gives us this revelation as we study his word. And as we dig into the word, God can release things into our lives. And uh, I just can't encourage people enough to make sure uh, that they go to Amazon, download on ebook, Kindle, PastorBillJenkins.org, eBay. I think somebody just, I think it's you, Sally. You just bought a book. I'm going to send you two. So I'm going <laughs> to uh, send, send you two books because you just got one on eBay. So praise the Lord for that. And, uh, uh, you know, that's our goal is to get the message of what God has laid and put on our hearts out to people so that uh, people can prosper even in the middle of all the troubled times that we live in here in America. So God bless you guys. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for coming on and giving us such a wonderful teaching, or is it a preaching? I'm not sure. Maybe both. <laughs> we'll just um, call it a little bit of both. How's that? <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. good. <laughs> it, good. Yeah, it was very good. And after the show, I do have several venues I put the show up on, so. 
I will send you the links to the different venues so you can do whatever you want with oh. it, or you can have your team do whatever they want with it. Um, yeah, absolutely. We'll put it on our radio station for sure. Okay. All right. So I'd like to say, Father, bless everyone. Thanks for coming and enjoying this talk with us. And we shall see you at the next show. Good night, everybody. Good night, Sally. Good night, Pastor Bill. Good night. God bless you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.